was telling Ethan before you came in that I play. I went to a pickleball birthday party. Oh my god! I've never played pickleball, and I'm very much convinced that I like strained my ass cheek muscle. Honestly. <laughs> It's intense. I'm getting up and I'm limping. And trust me, I didn't play intense (laughs) because people knew that I was new. But I did well. But but I'm like, I guess just those couple of times where I had to go to the left or the right or maybe I was bending over too much. I don't know. But all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm getting up in the morning and I'm limping like a 300-pound, like, little old lady who can't, who's like 90 years old. I'm like, look at me. I'm wobbling. I haven't wobbled like this since I was pregnant. (laughs) On pickleball. Pickleball. But I notice when I wear sneakers, because mm-hmm. I always wear boots. Oh. When I wear sneakers, yeah. my legs hurt. So I'm like, I wonder if that's it more than I was playing oh, pickleball, but that I was playing. I was yeah. in sneakers. So of course I wore them to get today, and I'm walking in and I'm like, it's hurting more than it did before. I think it's the damn sneakers. <laughs> Sounds get like it you together. need a new pair of sneakers. Sounds like I need something. You need- <laughs> Sounds like I need to get it into some shape. That's what it sounds I like. I want to have a mm-hmm. daily talk show with you because if I could start my morning like this every day, it'd be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> well, nobody nobody laughs at me more than me. That's for sure. <laughs> so, Miss Alicia, I'm so happy I'm that recording. you're here. We are. We're recording. Oh my goodness. We've here been we recording this whole thing. I didn't even realize. Yes, here we since, are. Since my uh, just like that, my headphones went on. <laughs> So I feel like there's so much that we have to talk about yes. because we didn't, you know, I, I'm kind of loving the off the cuff conversations because, you know, I, usually I meet people ahead of time and like, what do we, what do we feel like talking about, you know, or mm-hmm. what I have in mind. And lately, I haven't been doing that. And they've been the best conversations. More authentic. I'm yeah, sure. because I yeah. think sometimes, you know, when you when you do it the first time and then people will go, oh, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much. What do you want to talk about? And I look at them and I go, you just did. Yeah. You're just going to do what you did in the studio. It's never like that first conversation. No. You're like, oh, I know we're forgetting something because there were some gems dropped. <laughs> so... <laughs> You and I have been walking down, well, we were walking down a similar road, um, but I think you kind of started that road before me. Was it your mom? Well, certainly, I I think your mom was living with you first. Yeah, May of 2021 was when she got sick. Yeah, my mom was sick well before that, but she didn't come to live with me until 2022. So yeah, we um, you started taking care of your mom, yeah, um, early on, and you had just got married. We weren't even married yet. You weren't. That's right. Well, we you weren't engaged. even married yet. So tell me the story. Yeah. Tell me everything because you've been dropping dropping some amazing, thoughtful content on Facebook, which is what made me say to you, you have to come back into the studio because we already did a session, and I'm like. No, this is the session that we're supposed to do because yeah. you're really like speaking, you're speaking real reality. Thank you. And I want you to share that because even though you're much younger than me, <laughs> even though you're much younger than me, you're really experiencing a lot of things women my age are experiencing. So, yeah. so tell us, how did, how did this all begin? Yeah. So surreal to even think about it. Um, so my mom, there was something going on. We knew something was off. So she fell and broke her shoulder in the winter of 
um, 2020, in like December. And there was like a snowstorm. So it took her a little bit to get to a hospital. She kind of kept it from us. And ever since then, we we're like, oh man, like something kind of feels like it's off. And we're supposed to see her for Mother's Day. And she canceled at the last minute. And my sister and I were like, man, like that's very unlike her. She, we were one of those that we would meet every week for lunch and catch up and talk and, you know, daily goodnight texts. And she was very active in our lives. So my sister and I were like, man, there's something just not right. And my sister went there and she's like, mom's not okay. And she found her like passed out on the couch. Oh my God. And we're like, okay, all right. Now my mom was an alcoholic for 15 years, but then she was in recovery for a very long time, going to AA meetings, doing her thing. So we're like, okay, well, she had, you know, she fell. Maybe she was, you know, coping with the pain. In my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to get there. We're going to sober her up. We're going to come up with a game plan. I'll drive her to meetings, whatever she needs. Right. And then, you know, when I got there, we put my mom to sleep and we realized that, you know, there was newspapers, stacks of newspapers and bills unpaid. And I was like, I think this has been going on for a while. This isn't like a weekend bender kind of thing. And the next morning, because we, we spent the night there, and I'm thinking next morning she'll sober up, we'll have a conversation, we'll come up with a game plan, we'll be good to go. And she had no idea what year it was, how old we were, that we didn't live in the house. So she was not drunk. So I, I don't know. To this day, I, I don't know. Okay. Because a couple days went by, and she started to get a little bit better, but still just not okay. And right. we finally ended up bringing her to the emergency room. Um, and they diagnosed her, or th they actually didn't know what was wrong with her. And it was during times of COVID. So meanwhile, I'm sending this woman who has very <laughs> limited memory back into the emergency room and I can't go with her. Oh my God. So I'm sitting outside of the hospital wait waiting for them to call me. You know, I've got all my documents so I can help, you know, make decisions and stuff with her. And <laughs> the, the doctor, the n nurse, whoever, you know, did the intake, Calls and was like, yeah, your mom is telling me that she's here for because she has COVID. <laughs> she doesn't have COVID. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. So I explained the situation. So, you know, she went back. for. So I was allowed back there, thankfully. And, you know, my, they did a bunch of tests. And they gave her um, a vitamin, a B vitamin infusion because mm -hmm. of the alcoholism. So that's something that, you know, a lot of alcoholics um, struggle with couple days later like she was still getting better but not really so we brought her to a neurologist and that's when he diagnosed her with Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome um, and what is that so it's a deficiency of B vitamins um, that happens from malnutrition which happens very often in alcoholics okay so I guess the fall of the shoulder and just kind of cascading um, but the neurologist was like she cannot be left alone she cannot, you know, take care of herself any any longer. Meanwhile, this was an independent woman who lived in her own house. Right. You know, grocery shopping, went to AA meetings, volunteered three days a week, lived her own life. Mm -hmm. And he's like, she can't be alone anymore. And here my sister and I were, you know, okay, a week or two, we're trying to figure it out, you know, thinking that there's, you know, a plan our lives are going to change. But in that moment, I was like, Th this is, nothing will ever be the same. Right. Yeah. How do you? Yeah, because that's it's instant, instant. There's there's no preparing for it. It's like yesterday was yesterday. And today I've just been told I'm becoming a caretaker. Yep. So I just have to step into it. So what did you do? So 
Um, I I don't even. I think the re- I think we had a feeling that something you know, but I think part of us was also hoping that you know, okay, there's there's a recovery to this, right? And with Wernicke Korsakoff syndrome, right? You can take vitamins. There's infusions. There's different things that you can do, but it stays the same. Mm. It can get a little bit better. Um, it can get worse, but really, if you stay sober and you take your vitamins, it it doesn't really get better. It is how it is. Okay. So over the next couple weeks, you know, she started to feel a little bit better um, from the standpoint that she knew my sister and I were staying there. Um, it wasn't a shock every time she woke up and was surprised that we were in the house, which was happening right. those first couple weeks. I'm sure. And yeah, I mean, it was a decision where my sister and I are looking at each other like, well, what are like, what are we going to do? So we started the hunt trying to find a caregiver, which if anyone has ever tried to find a caregiver for any family member, anyone that they love, it's expensive and it's difficult to find someone who's now responsible for this person that you love 24-7. I've told people that, um, oh, see, now I can't, long-term health care. Mm-hmm. Um, is no, it's a certain type of insurance, and now it's, it's long term care. Yeah, it is long term health care. Yep, that type of insurance. We we really don't think about. We'll hear about it, mm-hmm. but because it happened with my mom, my mom, you know, my mom prepared for everything, and you know, I have the best insurance, and and then we realized, oh, but if you wanted to go into a facility, which at first, she was saying she wanted to, which we were never right. going to let her do anyway. But <laughs> um, the way that the way that we were able to not argue with her about it was to tell her, "Look, Ma, you do you have great health care, right? But long term health care insurance yeah. is completely different. That's yeah. what you need to go into a facility if right. you have to go. You know, um, if you develop dementia and your family can't take care of you, you." That's the type of insurance you need. Otherwise, everything that you've saved is going to go into paying for that, and that's not going to last very long. That's how expensive it is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So you knew. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we're trying to figure out. Okay, let's let's try and find a caregiver. So that was step one. Realizing how expensive it was. Um, realized that we she couldn't stay in her current house and have a caregiver. Right. So then it's like, okay, well, how do we sell this house? So we realized very quickly Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome is similar to dementia. Mm -hmm. So we've read a lot about dementia in terms of how to navigate um, what they remember, how they remember, um, what makes them feel the best. So we realized routines are great. So we very quickly put my mom on a routine, eating the same things every day, waking up at the same time every day, doing the same things every day, um, which helped her drastically i mean Mm. it was my mom on a routine and off a routine is night and day so we did that and thankfully by the grace of god our the neighbor across the street put their house up for sale and now this is when the real estate market started to get nuts Mm -hmm. so my mom's looking at it and she's like oh like i wonder what i can get for my house i was like this is a blessing Mm -hmm. so then you know we brought in a realtor and you know he gave some suggestions and things that we can do but meanwhile now we have to get the house ready to sell right so, you know, I'm cleaning out things around her, organizing the, the office. I cleaned out her whole basement while she's there, but she's not yeah. 
she's not really cognizant or no. able to do that. No. In any, you know, even physically, she's not ready to, she can't do that. No, not at all. So then we did find, you know, a couple caregivers, but my mom didn't understand that she couldn't be alone in the house and she didn't want a stranger in her house. And yeah. that was the second battle because we were able to sell the house. We were able to find a, a rental condo around the corner from where my husband and I were living, my fiance at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is ideal. I can go see her every day. I can, you know, help navigate with the caregiver. And she'll be right here. Save money, you know, be able to afford a caregiver. Right. Um, she and we, the caregiver was 24 hours in the house and. That was the 24 hours from hell, call, threatening to call the cops. I've got the caregiver on the phone calling me, oh. threatening to leave. My mom's screaming about a stranger in the house. It was, that was, my mom has not fought, she did not fight us on anything up until that point. And right. that, and we tried to, you know, introduce the caregiver and have her come over for a couple of days and explain who she was and, you know, do all the things that they tell you to do. Right. My mom did not want a stranger in her house. She was having none of it. None of it. So the next day, the caregiver left. (laughs) Thank you and goodbye. (laughs) And um, my mom went and lived with her brothers for a year. Mm. We sold the house. So one day, you know, we got a U-Haul. We packed up as much of my mom's stuff as, you know, we kept. And we moved it all to her brother's house. And... um, when she was able to vacate the house, we got, you know, we were able to clear out the rest of the house and, and sell the house. And she was with her brothers for a year until Mike and I bought our house with the intention of her coming to live with us, which happened a year ago. That's unbelievable. How many people tell you they can't believe you did that or they could never do that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I look at my life. I'm like, I, I can't believe that anyone would do that. But when you're in this situation. Yeah. And I don't want to say that. I, we had no choice, but in my heart, I was not going to send my mom to a facility. Right. It was very clear that no caregiver was going to put up with, you know, her. What she was struggling with. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, what options did we really have? Right. And to this day, I mean, she is only okay with family. I think if we try to bring in anyone, I think if we brought in, you know, the guys of, a nanny, a housekeeper, someone who it wasn't specifically, hey, mom, they're here for you. Right. I think we could probably do it now, but only because she is constantly surrounded by family. Right. That it would work. Well, my mom refused a caregiver as well, even just an aide coming in to be with yeah. her during the day. I realized she was actually frightened yeah. to have someone in the Stranger. house who might try to take advantage of her or my, you know, and as she physically started to deteriorate, that fear, you know, was heightened. And that's, you know, but then she would say to me, but no, you can't stop working to take care of me. Look, Ronnie, (laughs) (laughs) we don't, we don't have a choice here. Okay. I can't be in two places at once. You know, it's not Star Trek where I can beam me up over here and beam (laughs) me back over there. (laughs) You know, I have to, we have to make a decision and we just, kind of slowly made the decision for her you know I went to work and then I went to work part-time and then the company shut down that I was working for so it was okay I have to be home right now and I lied a million times about yes I'm you know I sent my resume here I did that because I said you know what she's just never gonna you know they they really are 
they really are afraid to have any kind of stranger take care of them or embarrassed or, you know, whatever, fear of whatever their body may do that they don't want someone helping them with, you right. know. So now you're married. Yep. Now mom's living with you. Yep. And now we're pregnant. And now we're pregnant. <laughs> and now we're pregnant. So I have noticed you have been writing more reflectively. And you seem to have, and, and I, I never got to this space, so I don't know if it's just I know you um, were into yoga, you're into meditation. I, you know, meditating for me is sitting at the end of the couch for five minutes having a cup of tea and just staring out into space and thinking of nothing. I want my brain to shut off. But you seem to have kind of opened this whole new door to this wisdom that I feel like you're too young to have, but yet you do. (laughs) And I told you, like, now part of my day is looking like, oh, what did Alicia write? What did she write? So... Um, tell me a little bit about how, like, because you've always had something about you that was kind of like guruish, if that's a, if that's some, <laughs> if that's a word. I is love that. Word? that. Absolutely. Guru-ish. It is now. <laughs> yeah. But you have, you have this, um, vibe, this presence about you. And I knew you before. Yep. That was kind of how you pivoted your life to be. Yeah. And the change has been, it's been night and day. Yeah. Because before you were go, go, go. I, you know, I'm a career woman. I'm making money. I'm competitive. And now you've just become this really grounded mother earth type, and I don't say that facetiously, type of woman who, um, is very reflective. So I want you to, you know, I want you to go into that a little Thank bit you. because I find I find it very comforting. I do. Yeah. And what are we, like 20 years apart, 25 years apart? Something like that. <laughs> Neither one of us is going to do the math. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when your world turns upside down multiple times very quickly, mm-hmm. I think you're kind of left with pieces. And then the decision is, do you want to put the pieces back together the way that they were? Or they may not even fit. Mm. And because everything happened so consecutively, I mean, Mike and I met, and then, you know, less than a year later, COVID happened. And we were, you know, we're living together, coronavirus happened. So, you know, two of us living in a very small space, working from home, Um, And then we got engaged later that year, and then my mom got sick. So, I mean, at this point, most of our relationship has been post my mom being sick. Right. And thankfully, at that point, I was working from home, um, so I was able to navigate everything. But once my mom... When my mom got sick, I looked at her immediately as my child. Like, And that was something that clicked for me, that... I'm now ready for motherhood because I know what it's like to wake up and get myself ready before the kids wake up and to be able to, you know, navigate a schedule and a routine so that I can, you know, squeeze in my work in between and take care of the house and do all of these things. And that is so interesting that that's what taking care of your mom was what 
yeah. made you realize I, I'm ready to have I'm ready to have a child. I'm ready to be a mom. Yep. Now I think if Mike, I think if I looked at Mike and I said we should have a kid right now, I think he'd think I was nuts. We right. weren't even living in the same house at that point. Right. But I knew that something had switched inside of me that I said when the time comes, I know that I'm ready mm-hmm. because I've already done it. Now, did you want kids? So did you always want kids? Because some I, people always want kids and some people don't, and then they're like, all of a sudden, I wanted a child. When I met Mike, I was yeah. like, I can, I can see us having a family together. Mm-hmm. Um, for. But then again, so many things happened that I was like, yeah, like eventually. And yeah. then, some, yeah, I think we just kind of woke up one day and I was like, I think, I think it's time. And it was right as we really grounded ourselves in this new life of mm. the house, of my mom, of, you know, realizing, you know, a baby doesn't come out the next week after you decide that you want to have a kid. It takes, you know, months of preparation and time and reflection and, um, but, yeah, I mean, I fully believe, you know, I'm very spiritual, so on a soul level, I fully believe that my mom got sick on purpose so that I can be, so I can learn how to be a mom before I even had children. Right. So now my children, as they come into this world, I'm so much more prepared than I was if my mom didn't get sick. And it went from, you know, Mike and I living just our life together to then now being responsible for someone other than myself. I've already made that transition. I know it. Or I already know what that feels like. Right. And that kind of started you reflecting on a lot of things. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, you, you were a person who was pretty open about the things that you were learning about yourself and the different changes and pivots in your life. But it did seem like you became more reflective, more spiritual. Um <clears throat> willing to share the things that you were learning as you were learning them, not just after you learn them, which I love. You know, I love watching. (laughs) I love when people share the process as they're going through it. Yeah. Because too many people are like, well, I started here and look at where I am now. I'm the person who's like, yeah, but what about the in-between? Right. I want to know about the in-between. So if there's something that I experienced that's similar to what you were going through, then I can say, oh, but she came out the other side. She was here too. Exactly. And and a lot of people don't do that, but you've been doing that. You've been doing that pretty frequently now. Yeah. It's definitely a more vulnerable position to be in because mm-hmm. it means that I haven't figured it out yet, and I'm sharing the journey of me navigating it. Right. Um, but as – so the first trimester of my pregnancy, I was exhausted but couldn't sleep. But I had enough energy to move around for about five minutes in any given point, and then I would have to sit. Mm-hmm. So I spent about 10 weeks just sitting. Right, <laughs> right. I watched a lot of Netflix. Um, but I watched and I felt the things that I enjoy in my life and, and who I am as a person and what I do enjoy. And I feel like when I started, you know, when you look at the spiritual community, you see all these, you know, Zen yogi people and, you know, who are very, um, you know, otherworldly, you know, mm-hmm. who, you know, denounce society and the world and everything. That's the extreme of it. Not Which everyone's like that. Which is why like I that. think people, the minute you say you're spiritual, some people just roll their eyes and yeah. walk away like, no. I'm a hippie right. hugging trees in the woods. Right. Not that I don't do that. But there's a, <laughs> but there's a bad. I also go to Costco and go grocery shopping. Like, and I think I've never seen you hug a right. tree. I'm sorry, <laughs> I must have missed that. That's the next podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> tree huggers. <laughs> but that's the balance, and and 
for me, it's been learning about why I am who I am and the reason that God gave me the gifts that I have. There's no way with my mom getting sick and being diagnosed and how everything happened so quickly and then the amount of things that we had to do in such a short span of time, if I wasn't organized, motivated, driven, um, focused, that literally would have been impossible. Right. So to look at those characteristics of myself and say, oh, I shouldn't be organized. That's a control freak, you know, type of feeling. Mm Mm-hmm. Instead of embracing it, because I like to be organized, I like the organization. That's a that's a way for me to process information. Mm-hmm. Now, if I become super attached to it, where now if one little thing goes wrong, then my whole day is ruined. That's the attachment. That's where now it's no longer serving me, and it's a negative. Right. Um, but in my house, you know, those ten weeks that I, you know, was really tired and I needed a lot of rest. I'm the one who sets the routines and the schedules and organizes everything and meals and. So as soon as I wasn't able to do that, I watched the house energy change. My mom was sleeping in very late. You know, the house didn't look the same. The things weren't being on top of. We're doing things last minute. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's not, my role here is for a purpose. I am this way for a reason. Right. And instead of, you know, shying away from that, I've embraced that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where the big shift has happened for me, that I can be organized and also, you know, have, um, you know, and, and still be spontaneous. Right. You know, that you can have both mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. So when you were, when you were kind of out those 10 weeks, did you, I have to say that Mike is a unicorn, <laughs> you know, like I have a tremendous crush on him um, in a very healthy way. Yes. Yes. Um, I just adore him for you. It's mutual. <laughs> I know. And I love that. I do. I love that. Um, because it's just, it's just coming from the best places and just recognizing yeah. when, when you can recognize something good in someone and you can just celebrate it every time you see each other, it's just the best connection. It's the best feeling. Mm. But when you couldn't do that, were you, were you, mm. Were you honest? Were you vocal with your family? Yeah. Because now your sister was involved in the caretaking as well. Yes. So did you let them know, like, I can't do, I can do as much as I can do, but I can't do as much as I did yes. for right now. Yeah. And I need you all to step up and step in so that this can, so when I do have to jump back, when I am able to jump back in, there's no undoing, you know, Right. What wasn't done and getting back to like starting from square one. Yeah. Were you honest with them about that? Yeah, I was. And we also, you know, we also started a renovation before we knew that we were pregnant. Mm-hmm. So that also, I think, threw, you know, a wrench in the mix as well. Um, but there was a sigh of relief mm. <laughs> when the new year rolled around and I hit, um, you know, my 15 week mark and I was able to, you know, do things for more than five minutes. Right. And, you know, they came home from the gym and the Christmas tree was down, the ornaments were packed, and they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, Because they did their best. They did, you know, right, they used their gifts Mm -hmm. to do the things that they could do and pick up things in between. But at the end of the day, my gifts are my gifts for a reason. And if my contribution to the household is structure and routine and organization – the reason my role is there is because they don't do that because that's not what they're bringing to the table. Yeah. So as much as they, you know, they did their best, they're doing their role and a little bit of mine. Right. Um, 
And so I, I think there's such a huge lesson in that because sometimes we do have to rely on other people. Yeah. And I kind of learned that with my brothers too while I was taking care of my mom. Um, you have to you have to be willing to give people grace. Yeah. You have to be willing to say, look, this is what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. This is what I do best. And if I can't do it, then it's not going to be 100%. Right. Even if I tell them, look, this is what I usually do. This is how I usually do it. This is what mom needs. This, it, it's, it's never going to be the way nope. that I did it. But that doesn't mean that they're not listening. Right. I think sometimes people get stuck. Right. Like, you, you know, were you listening to me? Did you hear me when I said? And it's not about people not listening to you. It's right. about they're doing the very best that they can because they're better at something else that I'm, I'm not as good at. And maybe the fact that they're not quite as regimented at I, as I was because she did live with me gave her a little room to relax a little bit exactly. or sleep a little later or, um, you know, just enjoy someone else's energy. Right. So I think there is a huge lesson in just because you, t- just because you have that conversation and you do communicate very clearly it doesn't mean the person's not trying if they're not doing it exactly the way that you did it. Exactly. They're, they're, they're mixing what they bring to the table and what you need together and doing their best. Right. And that, you know, yeah, that's a great, that's just a great, it, it's great that you could see that. Yeah. Because being pregnant, taking care of your mom, having a renovation done, and not being able to do the things that you normally did could have been a lot more stressful (laughs) had you not just appreciated that they were doing the best that they could yeah you know I realized that because I went into you know the the time frame between us deciding we were gonna you know start a family and then actually starting the family was a very short period of time which Mm -hmm. we're very lucky for it also left me with a very small window to prepare so in the small window, I had a great plan, right? Again, organization, you know, right. vision, you know, I was going to take plans. Exactly. <laughs> you know, vitamins and workouts and all these great things, which I did for the first four weeks before you even know that you're pregnant because you don't find out until you're four weeks long anyway. Right. And then week five hit and I was lucky I could eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I was distracting myself, trying to call people on the phone or watch TV, trying to eat the most basic things, um, the whole, ev- my whole plans went out the window. And I realized that it's about doing the best that you can, which is, I feel like one of the greatest lessons of, in parenthood is that you can only do the best that you can. Yeah. That's it. That is, and that is all you have to give. Mm-hmm. I can't give something that I don't have. Right. So if I'm sitting there, you know, doing the best that I can, trying to eat as often as possible, even, you know, the small amounts of food that I could eat, you know, looking around and watching Mike and my sister taking care of my mom and my mom asking me if she can get me anything. And, you know, that cycle that we were in for, you know, over two months, two and a half months. Right. um, Everyone was doing the best that they could. And also, I think there's like it was almost kind of comical when I did kind of come out of that fog Mm -hmm. of being like okay I'm back like the the sigh of relief (laughs) like (laughs) across the household of like oh my 
God, we can like live our lives again. Like, because everyone can then return to their role, Mm -hmm. right? Because everyone was out of alignment trying to do things that they're not, that's just not their jam. Yeah. So, and how much more effort you have to put in when you're doing something that's not, you know, and I think that there's a time and place in life, right? Where you're stepping up to the plate and you're doing something that's not, you know, natural to you. Yes. But I feel like across society, like people are exhausted because they're trying to do things that they're just not meant to do. That's not how you function. That's not how you think. That's not how you move. But don't you think they put that pressure on their themselves? I think that people yeah. want so many different things, want to be so many different things, want to accomplish so many things that they kind of overserve their plate. Yes. And they don't take the time to really look at it and say, what what am I what am I really good at? I I think a lot of people look to other people and I've been guilty of yeah. this. So this is why I say this. Um, I've looked at what other people are doing and I've thought, oh my God, I never even thought of that. That is a great you know what? I should be doing that. Absolutely. I, I should be, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, I mean I'm I'm gonna try that. I I, I think I could do that just as well. Yeah. And completely forgetting that I had already started something else right. that I knew I would not that I thought <laughs> I would be good at, but I knew I would be good at. Yeah. But maybe um, I wasn't as confident. Maybe I was nervous that it wouldn't be received. Maybe I was afraid I would fail. Right. So looking at someone else do something like, oh, okay, that's how you do that. I, I think I could do that. I think, you know. And then you kind of, okay, so now I'm taking my attention away from what I was wholeheartedly into. I'm going to give a little bit of attention to that. And I start doing that. And then someone else comes along with something (laughs) else. And I go, oh, that looks like fun. Maybe I'll be good. It's about recognizing that we we are not human beings that can be 100% successful at every single thing. And that's okay. It's okay to give yourself that grace to not be an expert. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, my daughter knows certain things that I don't know. And I've decided finally to just look at it and say, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of glad that at my age I can still learn. Yes. And I can appreciate. But that doesn't mean that as soon as I learn it, I have to do it. Right. I can just leave that there for someone else and say, and it's not about jealousy. It's not about wanting to compete with them or do better than them. It's kind of, it's an admiration in a way. Like, oh, yeah, I want to do that too. She's really, and and you just said, you know what? My lesson right now is I just need to incubate. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I just need to sit. And, and I told you, the first three months of my pregnancy, I was oh, yeah. miserably sick. And I felt like a failure because I had friends who were sailing through their pregnancies. And I'm like, really? I'm not even going to be good at this? Like, what is wrong with me? I didn't give myself the grace to say, you know what? This is just how it's going for me. And I'm, I'm going to take care of myself and take care of, you know, this little human being inside of me. And I'll get past it. I'll get through it. Um, so I, I think that I'm personally happy that you found, you, you used your wisdom, the wisdom. I don't know. I think you were born with it. <laughs> thank you. I think you're That you were just right. blessed with, <laughs> with the rest of a struggle to, to find. 
but that's one of my gifts, right? Like that's the coolest mm-hmm. part. But then it's also my responsibility with this gift to now share it. Yes. And, you know, when I am not sharing it, I'm not using my gift. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not sharing it, I'm not doing that because I'm busy with 400 other things right. that I probably shouldn't be doing. Right. And that was the big lesson is that if I only have a certain amount of energy, mm-hmm. what is it that I'm spending that energy doing? And right. I feel like it's inspiring to watch other people do all these wonderful things. Mm-hmm. I think we do, I think we look at that inspiration in the wrong order. Instead of looking at, okay, you know, when you want to start this podcast, mm-hmm. right? In your heart, you knew that this is what you needed to do. For three years, and I sat on it. Right. And then you went and saw other people who were starting podcasts and how they were doing it and, and what you liked and what you didn't like and what you wanted to incorporate in yours. Instead of seeing what other people are doing, you're like, oh, I think I should start a podcast because they're doing it. And then right. you stumble into something that, isn't in your heart and it's amazing that all these people are doing all these wonderful things Mm -hmm. which means that sometimes we feel like we need to be doing all of it right and we don't we We don't we need to be doing like one or two we can just sit back and go bravo for you bravo for you but that you know that's a little bit of of my own insecurity like oh my god maybe i'm not doing enough like always like yeah. what should i be doing i don't know like i still don't know what i'm going to be when i grow <laughs> up and all these people know what they're going to be when they grow up what the hell is going on yeah. you know here you are like i'm like i got to hear what Alicia's going to going to write today i have to like really take it in but when you reach the point when you accept no i'm not supposed to do everything I, it's okay for me to just sit back. And that's why when, when people tell me I'm killing it, oh, Maureen, you're killing it. Mm. You're this. I am very honest. You know, if killing it to you means that I'm making a lot of money, I'm not killing it in your eyes. Right. If killing it means that I'm pursuing the things that I'm curious about, that I think I can be successful with, that I think I bring something to the table for, then yes. Then right. in that sense, I am killing it. I'm fearless. And I've never been fearless. 2024 is my fearless year, and I am literally jumping into every pool that I think I can swim in mm-hmm. and and not drown. Or <laughs> 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 I don't have to go, somebody save me, <laughs> which I've done so many times in my life. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. You know, that's okay, but I love that. You know, it, I hope that, like, you look at it as you are inspiring other people to take a deeper look at themselves, you know, to see themselves on a more human level. Yeah. You know, see themselves as, like, I really am just a human being. That's it. I really am just someone who is – life doesn't end. You don't say, okay, I've reached the, the top and here I am. It just continues. Like, your Mm -hmm. life continues to be lived. There's no, okay, I'm at this age now. I've done it. Now I can coast. No. Even when you're coasting, you're still doing things that, you know, there are some people, I I know a lot of people who tell me, I don't think I'll ever be able to retire because I always want to be doing something. I I don't want to. Yes, I want to be able to afford to go on the vacation. Right. And if I want to go for 10 days or three weeks, be able to do that. But when I come back, I, I want to be doing something. Right. And I love that because yeah. it makes me feel like 
I'm kind of stepping into that part of my life where, you know, I have friends who are retiring and I'm kind of looking at them going, hmm, I still don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. No. I, like, I still want to try this and I still want to do that. And um, so I love that at such a young age, you're putting that into the world. I think it's really important. I do. I do. And that little, that little bean, you're going to have a baby that's just chill. <laughs> no pressure. God, I hope so. <laughs> no pressure. Me, I was the most neurotic pregnant woman ever. I was also really ugly. Oh, I was. Oh, um, no. I no. had toxemia. When you have toxemia, everything oh. blows up. My nose was like four times the normal size. It was spread across my face. I could not even, I could put a pair of sneakers on, but I couldn't, there could be no laces in them. I was truly, there oh, is, man. I'm always going to be that extreme person. But but how did you feel about your pregnancy? Because when you, t when I told, I told Maureen, well, she was one of the first people that I told that I was I pregnant. Know, I was so excited. And at this point I still felt great. So I was like, Maureen, I feel great, I'm pregnant. And you told me a little bit about your story. And as soon as I didn't feel well anymore, you were the only person I thought of those 10 weeks that I was sitting there and I was like, and everyone will know why when you mm. tell your story. Well, I just loved being pregnant. That's I just, I, I, you know, I was fat. <laughs> I was ugly. I was, felt gross. Like, oh my God, I am, not the, I am not the beautiful yeah. pregnant woman. I, I don't know what that glow is, but... I think it's just my pores sweating. I don't think it's pregnancy glow. <laughs> I think my pores have been stressed, <laughs> stretched four times their normal size. But I loved, 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 no, seriously, still to this day, loved every minute of being pregnant. Loved every minute, every little feeling. I loved that. I, I would be in the car driving and I would be talking to her. You know, I would be singing to her. I loved... I felt for the first time in my life that I wasn't alone. Yeah. I just felt like, man, I, I got this little ride or die in me. And, and she, like, I hope she takes me with her throughout her whole life and all the things that you're hoping for. And, and I think those are the things that got us through the really difficult times because I had – I feel like my relationship with Kayla was very similar to my relationship with my mom. And my mom, um, when she was pregnant with me, you know, my dad was not part of the picture. She was single. It was miserable, but she said, like, I always felt like I had this little person that was like, I'm, I'm going to love you no matter what. Yeah. And I felt that way with Kayla. And it didn't matter how ugly I was. I just was like, I want to see my belly. I said, can you see my belly? And even when you couldn't see my belly, I was sticking it out. And, you know, with my with my you know with my ex husband, I was like, can you see it yet? Can you see it yet? He's like, I don't see anything yet. I'm like, you can't see it. He's like, why? Because I want to wear. Because back then, you know, it was still the most hideous maternity clothes. I look at what I wore and I'm like, oh, I thought that was pretty. I thought I would look good in that. That is disgusting. Like, like I kind of envy now that you girls can just you're you're oh, yeah we're just gonna sweater. wear our regular clothes. That's, That's it. it. I yep. love that. Mm -hmm. But I I I just wanted to wear. I wanted to be seen in my first maternity top, hmm. and I was just like, and the first time he was like, oh, I think you popped a little bit. I swear, I ran out that <laughs> night and I bought my first maternity top. 
and I wore it every day. Like, look at me, look at me, I'm pregnant. Look at me, I'm having a child. I did. I just, she made me sick as a dog. I didn't care. But you loved it. I loved it. And then that is what I told you. I'm like, I, you know, I know how sick you are, but it's still the best thing ever. Yeah. For me, it was the best thing. I had friends who had nothing to complain about and hated every minute of being pregnant. They thought it was gross. Mm. And trust me, great moms. Right. But I'm like, how, how do you, what do you mean this is gross? Like, oh, like it's like this little alien in my body. <laughs> and I'm like, you're sick. I was like, here, look at my belly. <laughs> I swear, if anybody wanted to see it, I would have been sure. Here you go. This is what it looks like. I was very happy. I loved rubbing it. I loved walking with it. That's why I'm like, do you do that? Because I mm-hmm. did that all the time. I missed her Yeah. when she wasn't there anymore. But then it also could have been just lack of sleep because all she did was cry. It was like, I miss you back in there. I didn't have to hear you. She would get hiccups. Oh, my god. I goodness. would cry. Aww. I would be like, oh, no, 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 no. My husband would laugh at me. I'm like, she has hiccups. It's got to be so frustrating. He's like, she doesn't know. But I know. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, my God, it's so adorable, though. Like, oh, she just had another hiccup. Oh, she, just everything. Yeah. Everything. I loved it. I but, did. But you loved it so much, and that was what – I kept holding on to in those moments where I didn't have the energy to do anything and I couldn't even use my brain to form, mm-hmm. you know, sentences to have conversation. Like I just was so exhausted. Yes. And I surrendered to it because I mm-hmm. just kept thinking about what you said about how much you loved it, even through all of that. Yes. And I was like, you know what? I, I wonder if I can love this too. Yeah, you can. And then you, And then when I realized that, then you love everything like yes. it's because it's the surrender. It's the acceptance. It's the I'm in this situation and there's nothing that I can do about it. Mm-hmm. Right. It circles right back to where you started. There's nothing I can do. There's about nothing it. that you can do about it. So you can either complain and I can fight it and I can try and be angry or I can just enjoy the fact that I'm just going to hang out and, you know, wa- binge watch Netflix and watch, you know, every show that I've ever wanted to watch on repeat for 10 weeks straight, which is exactly what I did. Right. And then now I have the energy and I'm using it and it and I'm not and I'm using it because I don't know when it's going to go away. And it's not a frantic, like scared anxiety. I don't know when it's going to leave me. Mm -hmm. It's a I'm going to embrace this moment because this is the moment I have. I can't guarantee I'm going to feel okay tomorrow. Right. Can't. You know, I don't how I felt the day before doesn't indicate, you know, isn't indicative of how I'm going to feel today. Yes. So if I wake up and feel good, I'm going to do things. I wake up and feel not great I'm gonna rest yeah and I think that you know it's a huge pregnancy lesson but it's it's for everyone it's a life lesson it's a life lesson yeah you just it's I think that it kind of solidified how you were your pregnancy almost solidified like yeah this is this is life like even I had to surrender I had to accept what was happening with my mom now I've had to accept the fact that I'm her caretaker. Now I have to accept the fact that these first three months of my pregnancy are not going to be the most smooth. Like, it just yeah. kind of like, okay, I'm learning this huge lesson yeah. of I just have to let it go. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people ever learn that lesson. No. Or they learn it later on in life where they look back and go, because oh, I know that's me. I've just now stepped into I don't care. <laughs> um I don't worry about what other people think, yeah. and I 
and and I will say that my mother taught me that in being her caretaker. Right. I I remembered being very nervous and thinking my whole life is going to change and I'm not going to have as much freedom and I'm not going to and I'm not and and they were the most beautiful 14 months of my life. They were a gift even when it was hard. It was 85% joy, um, probably 10% worry, and 5%, I'm going to throw you out a window if you don't stop <laughs> complaining. <laughs> and I will say that. you know. Yes. And yes. I would tell her, Ronnie, yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie. Yep. Knock it off. <laughs> yeah. yep. But, um, you know, of course, the fear was always there about her health, but the joy right. overrode everything. Ev- and everything. living every single minute and taking snapshots of, I'm going to remember this moment. I'm going to take this moment with me. When she's not here, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look at that spot on her couch and I'm going to remember us laughing and us talking. And it was all about surrendering to, this is where my life is right now. Yeah. And I'm not going to feel sorry for myself or let people look at me and say, I can never do what you're doing. I could never give up my life. Well, then I feel sorry for you. Yeah. Because it has been the, one of the biggest blessings next to having my daughter is escorting my mother to her final moments, you know. And it is, it's all about the surrender. Yeah. And I feel like you can't explain that to someone who hasn't lived it. And it's, it, and it's the same thing, you know, again, I think there's a, a huge parallel between caregiving and parenthood, right? There's yeah. lots of people who look at children and say, oh, well, you're never going to have a date night again, or now you're going to have to do this, or you're never going to be yeah. able to go on an adult-only vacation, all these things that you can't do. Yeah. But every parent that I've spoken to say can pinpoint specific moments yeah. that it was all worth it. And that, and I think about that with my mom all the time. You know, all the jokes that we have and the inside things and the moments. And um, yeah, no, it's not going to be forever. I mean, you know, one thing with my mom's illness is that other than her memory, she's of everything else's perfect health. So she could be with us for the next 20 years. I don't know. Sometimes I think about that and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be in my 50s and my mom's still going to be living with me. I'm never going to be alone. Okay, listen. <laughs> I'm almost past my 50s. She'll still be young. <laughs> but, like, I'm like, oh, man, I'm be sending the kids to college and my mom's still going to be in the house with us, which, yeah. you know what? It's a possibility. And, and Mike and I have to bring, you know, laughter and humor to it. And, you know, our lives didn't quite turn out exactly how we imagine. But right. when we surrender to it, it you know, we, then you're able to actually see the blessings in it. Like, yeah, there'll be so many beautiful moments that your child, that you will you will experience between your child and your mom. Oh. And you'll look at that, and I can't, I can't stress to you more how those will be memories that you really, really hold on to when yeah. the day comes that she's not with you anymore. My mom didn't live with me, and the memories that I have, the relationship that my mom and Kayla had was, I, I used to joke that Kayla used to have been her daughter. She used, mm. should have been her daughter because they were so much alike in how they thought and um, just, just everything. Uh, they could have the most interesting conversations and I would just kind of sit like a fly on the wall 
And then they'd both look at me, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I think Kayla was supposed to be your daughter, and I was supposed <laughs> to be your granddaughter. Um, and it, it's all I can say is it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it when you when you when you don't resent it and you don't look at everything that you don't have and you can't do because trust me, you you know, you, I finally I was like, what would I be doing? <laughs> what would I be doing anyway? Right. Right. You know, okay, so there'll be time that I can I can do things for myself. And there were. Mm-hmm. You and your husband will have time together. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be able to, to to do things and it'll just have to be adjusted a little differently. But when you when you move with love yeah. and acceptance, it it's somehow it all works out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And you're happy. And they know it. You know, mm-hmm. like Ronnie and my mom like there's moments that my mom just out of nowhere will look at me and say, thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if she exactly knows, you know, her diagnosis some days she remembers, some days she doesn't, or fully understand why she's in her house or, you know, all those things. Yeah. But she'll have those moments of clarity that I think she really understands everything that we've done for her. And Yes, she does. And she just, and those moments, those are the snapshots that those I walk away. And I'm like, it was worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, and it just, I, I know what you mean. My mother would, out of nowhere sometimes, and yeah. go, thank you. And I'd go, for what? And she'd say, for just, for just loving me so much that mm-hmm. you, would, you would sacrifice. And I said to her, sacrifice? This is not a sacrifice. This is time that we never would have had. This is yeah. time back that we lost. And this is what I needed like sometimes I felt like I needed it more than she did yeah. and like I was grateful to her for agreeing to live with me because she was so freaking stubborn <laughs> because I knew when she's gone I'm not gonna have one regret and a lot no. of people live with regret I shouldn't have done that I should have been more of this I should have been more of that I'm never gonna know what that feels like no because I was everything that I could possibly be for her. And she knew it, and she loved it, and she appreciated it. And the universe makes it happen. And I feel like, you know, when you don't see a way out, mm-hmm. you know, when we're, and as I'm sitting there, I'm like, how is my mom going to afford a house and a caregiver and this and all, you know, all these things? I didn't, I didn't know the neighbors were going to put their house up for sale. You right. know, like, I had no idea that I was going to be able to clean out my mom's whole house without her really honestly even notice it like there were so many things that you could have taken an outside look of and been like there's no way that's gonna work yep and yet somehow the universe always makes it happen I mean you know we had a plan we're gonna move into the house have a couple months you know get her space settled you know we had again Mm -hmm. a whole plan because as we bought the house we sent my mom pictures you know we sent her videos hey mom this is where you're gonna be she was all for it everything was great and then, uh, you know, we're like, okay, mom, you know, like in a couple months, you know, you're going to move in. She's like, oh, I don't really know. Like, I'm okay here, you know, which wasn't an option at that point. Right. You know, she needed more care. And then she had emergency dental surgery that required round-the-clock care for 14 days. Mm-hmm. All right, mom. Hey, three weeks after Mike and I move in where there's boxes still everywhere, she doesn't even have a mattress or a TV or pill, nothing. She had nothing. Went to Costco, bought everything, you know, Amazon, you know, we got it together and she had emergency dental surgery because God knew that it couldn't have been a day where we just picked her up and said, okay, mom, today's moving day. She wouldn't have came. That would have been a fight. It would have been awful. Instead, 
there was a specific reason and you know she understood she she had surgery she needed care and those first couple weeks were terrible yeah but she like we needed that reason and god knew that yes and that's exactly why it didn't happen in the timeline mm-hmm. we thought that we had a little bit more a little bit more time more, more freedom time, <laughs> a little bit more you know to settle into this new house that we just bought but god knew that she needed to be there then right in that moment and she was yeah and now look at you and here we are a year later here you are a year later happy settled in yep. your routines yep Ready to have this little nugget? Like, I can't wait. Do you know what it is? <laughs> Not yet. Are you going to we'll, find out? Yeah, we'll find out in two weeks. Oh, you are going to find out. We are. We got to pick out names, I mean. Yeah. Thinking of boy names, so difficult. Girl names, easy. Got 100. Really? Yeah. Boy names, Mike and I are on different spectrums right now. Yeah. Not even, not even playing in the same ball field. Yeah, I think Michael, well, I know Michael and I were on different spectrums when it came to all names. He was like the very Italian names, and I was. And now we're talking thirty-one years ago. Yep. My my favorite name was Jackson. Mm. It was like Jackson. What kind of name Probably is Jackson? Probably never met a Jackson ever. I yeah, had never no. met a Jackson, and yep. I'm like, I just I just love the name Jackson. We could call him Jax. Jax. Oh my god. What like he was yeah. now? You know, now it's a normal popular right. name. It's, yeah, of course. I liked all the off the beaten path names. He yeah. wanted all the. I say the the Italian Queens Brooklyn names, you yep. know, Tony, Mark, like, yep. you know, I don't want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sitting with me. Thank you for having this me. This was great. This, this is gonna is be wonderful. this is gonna be airing later. Wow. Yeah, we're quick, putting you right up. Quick turnaround time. Quick turnaround <laughs> the time this time. We're putting you right up. We're gonna leave, and Ethan's gonna be like, "Okay, here we go." Publish. Probably by the time you get home, because she lives quite a bit away, it'll already be up there for everybody to hear. That's amazing. Thank you, love. Thank you. I love when I sit with you. Me too. Next time I'm coming to your house, though, because I'm still dying to get there. Absolutely. Come meet mom. Yes. Oh, mom, and see that handsome man. Mm. Mm -mm 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 -mm. All right. Thanks, everybody.